In the Chicago with Mayor Lori Lightfoot and her endorsed Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox, at least 25 people were shot over the weekend, at least one dead. Two sisters were shot on Division Street outside a bar. There was a drive-by at a Southside church with three men shot on church steps, as in an old Chicago gangster movie. Shootings continue in River North downtown, and that old standby headline, Aldermen Seek Answers, is repurposed and trotted out. And six were stabbed in a robbery on the L at North and Clyburn. And on and on and on. Chicago's litany of the dead and dying is incomplete as I speak to you on a rainy Sunday morning. This has been a summer that none of us have witnessed. It's been really horrific to watch this level of violence in the downtown area increase. So who can t- say how many more will be borne away in Chicago's river of violence? The Sun-Times appears to want to cover crime now. And the paper, so interested in where I live now that they're more interested in doxing me than covering Chicago crime. But CWB Chicago does cover crime, and we're thankful. As the gang wars rage in Chicago, as Lightfoot has no clue, as Fox continues to play social justice warrior rather than prosecutor, a friend of mine, a retired Chicago police homicide detective, pretty good writer, writes this, quote, A prince is born, the Pope says mass, a traitor is left without a country, a politician self-destructs, men die in a Mexican shootout, save the copy, and just change the date if needed, unquote. Pretty sound advice. On this edition of the Chicago Way podcast, we're talking to John O'Malley, Lightfoot's recently departed Deputy Mayor of Public Safety, who has left her city hall now to go back into the private sector. O'Malley is a son and nephew of Chicago cops, and he spent more than 30 years in the U.S. Marshal's Office in Chicago chasing dangerous armed fugitive, chasing them down alleys in dark places. He's real police. But unlike me and many of you, he still takes rapid transit, CTA rapid transit at night. He won't stare into his phone like a victim. He keeps his eyes open, scans the surroundings, looks for problems. But he always feels better riding with a friend. I have a little friend when I ride the CTA train, O'Malley says on this podcast. Is his name Sig? I asked him. No, says O'Malley. It's S&W. I think that's Smith & Wesson. Co-host Jeffrey Carlin is here as always. Like many of you, he used to take the L. He doesn't take it anymore. And I'm John Cass, husband, father, Orthodox Christian, editor-in-chief of your favorite website for some common sense, johncassnews.com. And where are you as the outrage continues, as Lightfoot's excuses pile up, as the bodies hit the floor and pile up, as businesses close? You're on the Chicago Way podcast. 
on WGM Plus. Look, the, the, the Chicago Way is a deep cultural phenomenon. It's the Chicago Way. The Chicago Way. That's the focus. In a tower by the river, there lived a man. There was a man who took a stand with pen and paper in his hand, defeating foes in every ward with a pen more mighty than the sword. No escape from his ink lasso in a tower by the river, Castle. Here's how you get him. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. All right, so um, as I said in the monologue, there were some guys who uh, supported Lori Lightfoot months and months ago, years ago. I was one. Jeff Carlin was another. And you know, John O'Malley, former... Deputy U.S. Marshal from Chicago was another. And he went to work for Lori Lightfoot as their deputy. What was it? This uh, superintendent. What was the title, John? Uh, deputy Mayor of Public Safety. Deputy Mayor of Public Safety. And how, how did that work out? And we're going to talk about it now in the Chicago way. So how did it work out? Um, it was a very great experience. Uh, I was there 14 months. Um, you know, I, it, seeing a, a firsthand view of how all the public safety agencies work in Chicago, particularly the police department that I spent a lot of time uh, working with day in and day out, um, you know, it was a real eye-opener. I'm born and raised a Chicago resident, uh, spent 26 years in federal law enforcement, so worked a lot with the Chicago Police Department on a different level back uh, in that experience but this was a was a great experience john Uh, i'm super glad that i did it Uh, i would have stayed longer had it not been uh, unexpectedly given an opportunity to go back into uh, the private corporate security sector Um, and you know listen the men and women of chicago police department are working i mean literally 24 7 um, to try and provide the best safety they can for this city that's that's for sure i saw that uh, up close in person you're you're the real police, unlike a lot of the people that say that uh, Im- try to impact uh, police policy. You chased fugitives for a living. You understood what it was like to have men under your command who were tired and exhausted, men and women, tired, exhausted, and, and all the other pressures that come with the job. Um, I fell out with Lori Lightfoot after she lost control of the city during the Black Lives Matter riots. Uh, what What is your assessment of her? Well, look, as we all know, it's extremely, extremely difficult job. I think that taking a look at, uh, and, and I can tell you this from being up close and personal, uh, she's in it. She cares. She's passionate about the job. Uh, I just think that there's a lot of factors that have happened since she took office. One, as you mentioned, you know, the civil unrest, the, the riots that took place. Uh, based off of uh, the George Floyd incident in Minneapolis. You know, that was across a lot of cities. Uh, Chicago obviously was not uh, immune from, from, from those days. And then the, uh, you know, a pandemic that came across. So I'll give her credit, a lot of credit for uh, lots of different crises that happened on a regular day as being a mayor of a you know, third largest city. 
but then dealing with uh, all those things that took place, all those, uh, you know, emergency situations that came up on a, on a, on a consistent basis. Um, and I, you know, I, I worked with her a lot on, on almost a daily basis. And I, I think she's trying her best. Uh, it's just unfortunate that there are so many different things happen uh, from so many different angles. It's tough to keep a cup, uh, you know, hard to keep a lid on things and, and keep the city moving uh, forward. Economic issues from COVID we're still recovering from. And again, not unique to Chicago. It's happening in a lot of major metropolitan areas. It, we're, and we're lucky to have you here, John, um, mostly because, not mostly, but uh, because the fact that you are transitioning, you know, from a, a, a position where you were working, you know, very closely with the mayor and in, in, within her administration and now to private life where, you're, you know, you're going to be doing similar stuff for different groups. But you, I really would love to get a, a sense of what it was from like the inside, because as a producer, you know, I've tried to get to the mayor, you know, we John and I were lucky that we were supporting her early on and she gave us a lot of her time and, and we were able to, to, to sit with her before and talk before and briefly after she became mayor. But then I was working through her comms department to try to get a hold of her and try to get her on and get her discussions out <laughs> there. And, 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 and it seems like the layers just kept getting thicker and thicker as crises and crises and crises started happening. Right. And, and, and it gave this, this air of either condensation you know, to, um, you know, be condescending to us as, as media for even asking questions about stuff that's going on or this idea that we don't know what we're talking about. And I would love to get your take on what, how would you define her leadership style as, as mayor? Yeah. And, you know, I, look, the comms department was uh, right down the hall from me. Um, I, you know, I, I tried to stay away from any, any and all of the political aspect of, Sure. Of being in a, a, a mayor's administration, my focus was, you know, how can we? Uh, I, I looked at my that position as like a translator between the law, the uh, public safety agencies, uh, and the mayor's office. Uh, what I thought they were trying to get across, where I thought they needed support, um, the, the comms department. I, I, I guess their job is to try and, uh, you know, protect who's in that position if they think yeah. that. You know, members of the media are trying to have an angle, have a uh, slanted view of things. They're going to try and, and and shield her from from communicating with 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 those certain groups. I'm just that's just me speculating. Um, sure. So you know, I, again, I tried to stay away from you know what what the com- she has a comms department. There. It's not that big. There's kind of a director of comms, and I don't know maybe five or six people on that team. Uh, a lot of them, you know, young um, in, in that position. And that's a, I can tell you, you know, it's, it's a heavy position because they're, you know, constantly getting requests. And how do you um, tell the story of what's happening, what, what's happened or what's happening in the future? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've got, a, they've got a role to play to, you know, to, to, to message that out, to market what's happening uh, in the city on a daily basis. Well, I mean, more of my point is that the idea that, from my perspective, it seemed like it was a circus because you would get, you know, hat, slapdash like press releases or you would get terse response or just completely ghosted like an entire entire station at mm-hmm. WGN for the first year or so of her, her administration. She just, we're just, we were just ignored. And so it's not really I don't really need, want you to, to comment on the comms people as much. But how would you right. define a mayor's leadership style? Because from outside looking in and trying to get a hold of it, it seemed really chaotic, like just yeah. 
crazy well, chaotic. Look, I mean, you know, she, she, she came into that role, not as a uh, seasoned politician. Um, so I think that that may have something to do with it, that, um, you know, h- how do you deal with all, all the, all the things that landed in her lap? Uh, maybe a more seasoned politician would, would handle them differently mm-hmm. to include, uh, how you communicate that out to the media, how, how you, your availability to the media, how you communicate things as events are happening after they happen. So, I mean, her leadership style, you know, I, I've known the mayor for so long. Um, you know, when she was a, a, a federal prosecutor, I'd, I'd probably known uh, the mayor. I'd, I'd, I'd put it at the uh, mid to late 90s, I guess. Right. Uh, it's my recollection of working mm-hmm. a couple of cases with her. Uh, that I recall specifically. And then, you know, I spent five years on the Chicago Police Board uh, when she was the police board president um, about a a year and a half or so after she resigned from that to run for mayor. So uh, I worked with her there on the police board. I was also a member of the police accountability task force that she ran under uh, Mayor Emanuel's direction. I uh, was a, like a working, uh, uh, a working group member on that. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to describe uh, her leadership style other than, um, you know, what I saw was, I, I'll give her credit for, uh, you know, not putting her head in the sand, not, not, not trying to face some of the challenges head on. Um, a lot of collaboration with her administration. You know, part of my job was to be on, you know, the senior leadership team. So worked with people all across the departments, uh, you know, every major city uh, department you can think of, streets and sanitation, water department, department of transportation, CTA, parks, libraries. So there is a lot of collaboration going on, uh, for sure, that I saw firsthand. And she was engaged. So, you know, look, um, I don't know how to describe sure. it from Leadership 101 uh, handbook. <laughs> um, but I'll give you, I'll give you the, I, I could tell you, uh, again, from being there right in the trenches, that she's 100% engaged. Whether or not she's making right decisions a lot is, you know, that's, that's up for interpretation. Yeah, you guys are in the... It, on the front line with her, and uh, you had to see things that I, I guarantee you, and I don't, I've never spoken to you about this, and I, I haven't spoken to other senior police members about this, but, uh, you know, certain things that she's done, I can just imagine guys rolling their eyes, you know, looking at each other in the car going, what the, you know, like uh, her, um the Bobby Rush popcorn gate thing, you know, holding the big news conference, attacking the police for sleeping uh, after working eight, 18 hours shifts during the riots. And uh, she, uh, she didn't have the commander of the second district at that news conference, which told me immediately that, you know, she, uh, she didn't want us to hear or her comp shop did not, did not want us to hear what really happened. And then, but the bottom line is the uh, not only the handling of the riots and the not handling of the riots. And, you know, I understand that she's not, you know, combat, combat, uh, combat officer. You know, she's not in in that world all the time. And she got a little uh, uh, uptight. But the endorsement of Kim Fox, when 
I know for a fact that she really didn't want to do it, uh, but she did it anyway. And now wears it uh, around her neck like an albatross. Uh, she went and endorsed Kim Fox, John. And uh, I just, I don't know of any seasoned law enforcement personnel in the city of Chicago that wouldn't have rolled their eyes. How yeah, did you take and, that? Yeah. And look, well, that, well, that's another thing that I saw up close and personal and, and, you know, the mayor was coming out as the superintendent was uh, end of last year into 2022. Um, you know, many people called it pointing fingers and well, what's your solution? But yeah, the yeah. fact remains that the criminal justice wheel, there's a lot of people involved. The police job is to, and particularly in municipality, you know, local Chicago city police officers, they're often their arrests are made uh, as a crime is being committed or after a crime is committed. But that, that's their role. They do the best they can. They, sometimes they collect evidence. Sometimes it's just uh, on what they call an on-view arrest. They see something happening. They make the arrest. It's simply the testimony of the police officers. And then that ends up in the, you know, the, the state's attorney's lap. Right. Whether or not they will uh, prosecute a case, what kind of charges they file. Um, so, you know, I, I can tell you for sure, I, I believe, both professionally and personally, that the state's attorney's office and the the, the court system is not doing uh, the best job that they can. This uh, releasing people on, uh, and, and again, is a very uh, touchy subject because, um, you know, people will say, well, you know, you're, you're, you're presumed innocent till the, you know, you get, get found guilty, which is a hundred percent true. Mm-hmm. But, you know, County jails are also designed to keep people who are a risk to the community or danger uh, held in pretrial custody until they have their final day in court. I think what we're ha- what we're seeing is uh, that pendulum swinging way too far to the other side, where people who are charged with, accused of uh, violent crimes involving weapons, uh, things of that nature, are being released back into the community. Uh, do it yes. again. Right. Well, you know, the, listen, the academic, they'll tell you there's studies that, that that is not necessarily the case, that a lot of these shootings, particular carjackings, homicides are not being committed by those released on on bond, which, you know, uh, there's also a case to be made that actually they are. Right. And there's been documentation that this person was released, you know, carjackings in particular we're having people commit armed carjackings two, three, four times uh, before finally maybe they're held in some type of uh, detention until uh, the case gets adjudicated. And carjackings right now are very difficult to prove because a lot of times they're wearing masks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the victim is so uh, startled and so traumatized that even if an offender is caught four blocks away in that vehicle, that victim may may have a really hard time of identifying the individual who, you know, committed that armed carjacking. So just real quick, uh, uh, vehicular hijacking is the felony if someone commits a carjacking. Mm -hmm. Then there are lower charges. One is criminal trespass to a vehicle, meaning that you and I, John and Jeff, are in a car that we know was stolen, but we're... They, they they call it criminal trespass to a vehicle that we were in that stolen car 
but we just can't prove that that I'm the one who actually stuck a gun to somebody and took the car. Then there's a, a, a yet another lower charge called possession of stolen motor vehicle. So two days later, uh, that stolen vehicle is stopped by the police. I'm driving again. They can't, they can't prove that I did the carjacking, but I'm now in possession of a stolen motor vehicle, which, and those two charges that CTTV criminal trespass of vehicle and possession of a stolen motor vehicle often get bargained down to misdemeanor offenses and not felonies. And then the electronic monitoring program. Oh, there, there, I, 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 I can't remember off the top of my head, but last data that I recall, there was some 3,000 people on electronic monitoring, which again is, is fine. That program was set up to ease the burden on county jails. And, but, you, that, but that person um, you know, should be showing back up to court when they get called to do so. It should be yeah. whatever, whatever the conditions of that release are. Not popping the witness. How about that? Yeah. That yes. might be a good yeah. one. Well, not popping the witness. So there were some, and again, I, I want to say 60 to 70% of people currently on electronic monitoring have an underlying uh, violent offense that they're, that they're um, you know, going to court for. Murder, uh, murder, sexual assault, yes. rape. It's, that's, uh, that's public, right? That's public record right. on the Cook County Sheriff's I've written website. about it. Yeah. yeah. So that, that, all, that, that is all true, and I just find it hard to believe that that doesn't impact um, some of the violence in Chicago. Is it the root cause for all of it? Absolutely not. Um, but that, but that certainly, um, I think, plays into uh, being held accountable. If if I know I get caught with a gun, and I use that gun in a in a, in a felony in a violent manner, that the chances I get released after my arrest are high, then you know I'll take the chance of of doing what I got to do. So you know that that's that's a that's a whole um, you know issue that 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 is being looked at from so many different people is you know what are those root causes why certain individuals carry guns uh, when they know they shouldn't it's because you know they'll tell you I'd rather get caught with a gun than caught than get caught without one and because- is that is that the reason why I mean what's the reason for uh, Lori Lightfoot endorsing Kim Fox when yeah. she knew she had she had law enforcement people out there going after the judges and prosecutors. And yeah. she turns around and, and endorses Fox. I told her, you know, it was a mistake and she didn't. That was it for us. Yeah. And, and those were the, those are the conversations, John, that I was not privy to what happens right. behind, you know, her political advisors hmm. of what this would mean, what. You know, it, I, I, that I don't know. And I and I, I I tried really hard to stay away from any, um, you know, those type of decisions or those conversations. So, you know, why she made a political endorsement, who knows? I don't know where that advice came from uh, or if it was just her, her making the decision herself. I don't know. So, yeah, tough. Uh, and again, I, you know, I think that, uh, you know, we did get together. We did have a big meeting with the courts, uh, with with the prosecutor's office um, to try and convene. Like, how do how do we all we all have a role to play in this? So, how do we, you know, best uh, tackle this and, and work together? And you know, there were some positive positive things that came out of those meetings. Uh, one was, you know, look, we have eleven uh, year old kids committing carjackings, and you know, mm-hmm. why are they doing it? What's going on behind? Um, you know, what's going on behind the scenes there? Um, so, 
you know, why is it that, a, that an 11 year old, 12 year old, 14 year old is committing armed carjackings? You know, what's going on behind those closed doors or do they need, uh, you know, help at home, social services. So they need you know, to be in school. Yeah, they need. Well, that's for starters. Yeah. That's a hundred percent true. So, so looking at, all right, you guys are doing one thing. The, the county's doing one thing. The courts are doing another thing. Uh, the Chicago Police Department's doing another thing. Department of Family Social Services, DFSS, is doing another thing. And, you know, we kind of called a time out there and said, well, well hold on one second. It, it, the, the goal is to try and not, not have this happen. What are we all doing? Who's offering what services to these kids and these families? And that seemed to be productive, just making sure everyone's on the same page. So we, we they meet on a regular basis now uh, to discuss cases uh, to ensure that, you know, one, one person's not going this way, another city agency or county agency is going another way. Uh, there's a coordinated effort. And, and then I was saying that the police department now has a unit uh, that goes out and just makes contact um, with these young juvenile offenders, carjackings in particular, um, just to offer them uh, guidance and services, uh, you know, trying really hard not to discuss the the ongoing case because it's you know that's that's a case sure. that's pending in court, and they are the law enforcement arm of that who is bring you know that that made that arrest. But just determining as you you know get is the kid in school? Are they engaged in school? Are they actually going to school? Um, you know, kind of who's who's uh, in charge of that household. Right. Um, so what I saw was, you know, some predict, product, you know, positive uh, reinforcement coming out of the, 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 those that kind of coordinated effort. Um, so, I, but I think it's going to take a little bit to actually see some uh, positive results from from all all that's going on there. As we uh, just sat down to tape this, uh, the people at North Avenue and Clyburn who were trying to get on the L couldn't get on the L because of a multiple stabbing issue, five stabbed on the L. Uh, Jeff has made this an issue for him. He even yeah. brought it up to Lori and he brought it up to uh, Eddie, Eddie, the, the Eddie Johnson, the previous superintendent. Uh, what's going on with the city and uh, city of Chicago department of police and the CTA on safety because it doesn't seem like it's it's safe. Uh, yeah, CTA yeah. especially. Yeah, crime on a CTA is uh, is definitely an issue. And you know, listen, the, the, the police department's down anywhere from fifteen to nineteen hundred officers. Right. So so right there, you know, the mass transit unit. Um, a lot of these specialty units have been depleted because, you know, we've got a protect all the the 22 police districts in, in the five areas so there were a lot of efforts of um we, we got a great uh, commander and his name escapes me right now um that the superintendent put in charge of uh the cta detail they used to call it the mass transit detail i don't know what they're calling it now but basically what is they went some and dedicated yeah, well, you know, listen. They grab Bob Angone from out of retirement and put him in charge again to run that shop? Is no, that I was, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know the guy's name, but, but listen, if, you know, we can talk the truth on the Chicago Way yeah. podcast. Often, right. you know, this is going back to my father's days, you know, uh, and, and my two uncles and my cousins on the police department, mass transit detail, um, you know, back in the day was a cush detail. This was for a guy with 25 years who 
wanted to do his last three, four, five, six years uh, on the mass transit detail. You, you rode behind buses. Maybe every now and then you jumped on one of the blue line, purple line, pink line, orange line trains <laughs> and uh, made your presence known. Um, but over time, you know, those guys uh, then retire out. It's like the guys that go out to the airport, which, which is not necessarily really the case anymore. Um, you know, going to O'Hare was always the, the retirement job, right? Your last yeah. couple of years, you go out to O'Hare Midway and, and uh, that was it. So it's redefining uh, who, who's, on, who's on that CTA detail. Right now, it's a lot of people being, uh, you know, uh, detailed over, assigned to that to, to, to do security and, and policing on the CTA. It's not necessarily a permanent unit. There is a permanent unit, but their numbers were depleted. Um, that's that's not a secret and just trying to how do we bolster up that unit to you know 100 150 officers uh where it should be so that they're visible on these train lines on the bus lines and that they're providing you know the safety and security that that cta riders are entitled to and then working with the cta um you know kevin ryan is a uh, retired deputy chief uh with the police department who is now over at cta security he's 100% engaged and trying to, you know, what do we do? It's a, it's a massive, massive uh, project because the CTA has so, we have so many train lines, so many bus lines um, trying to cover and provide adequate, uh, you know, safety is, is a tough job. Not that they shouldn't be doing it, but it's a, it's a really tough job. And they did hire, um, you know, uniform security um, to, to supplement, uh, you know, law enforcement on those lines, but you're, you're going to have instance, right? I, I don't know the circumstances. I also saw that breaking news or heard it on the radio. I can't yeah. remember this morning, but, but there was an incident on the red line. Now there, yeah. We, yeah. we've got a lot of, the other thing is, you know, there's a lot of uh, people with all kinds of issues that constantly ride the rails and our buses and um, you know, uh, violence ensues. So, it is being addressed. I know they're trying when, as I left uh, just recently, um, they are trying to, uh, you know, make that a, a, a stronger full-time unit. Now, is that going to solve all the violence on the CTA? It surely will help. Um, but we're, you know, it's a city of Chicago where we've always had issues in sure. public transit and I, you know, we'll continue to do so just like, again, the, you know, New York's having a really, uh, tough time as well on on their public transportation. System. I don't know. I don't know who who in their right mind wants to get on the L now. Right. I just don't. The red line. I mean, Jeff could take the red line all the time. Yeah, he used to. Yeah, you yeah. Know? I take. I take. I'm a, I'm a frequent blue line rider, which is not as you know. It's one of the quote unquote safer lines. You know, yeah. but you have the look. You have the look. Okay. <laughs> if I see you sitting on the corner, just minding your own business, you're not. You're not staring into the cell phone. You got those. No. You got no, those right. O'Malley eyes uh, scanning the perimeter all around you, John. You I take make... pictures. I take pictures of people standing on the platform and on the train oh. that I use in situational awareness training. And you know, as great of an invention as a cell phone is for situational awareness, it's the worst thing that we got going because people pay zero attention to their surroundings. Not only on, on the CTA but just in general. So, um, yeah. And I also have a, a little friend when I ride the train and when I'm out <laughs> about in the city of Chicago that some people are is, is his name Sig? <laughs> no, it's S and a W. 
Oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> hey, John, while we got here, I want to pick your brain a little bit about some of the police stuff because you know you're obviously tied into that. Um, it, you know, this idea of the the foot pursuit policy change in in mm-hmm. Chicago. I, I I mean, the gut instinct for me, at least, and I know, but is the idea that cops are told, well, if they may have fired a gun, if, if all this stuff may have happened, that's fine, but don't chase them. Like if that, yeah. that's, that's the takeaway from us. Like if someone's doing something illicit and they're running into a neighborhood or running away from you, why are we supposed to let them go and say, well, we'll get them when they come back to us or we can find out who they are. Like, doesn't that take like 10 times more effort to try yeah. to track somebody down after well, the fact? Yeah, let's let's break down the, the, the both the foot pursuit policy and a little bit of the vehicle pursuit policy. So up until recently, there was no really written policy on when an officer could or couldn't engage uh, in a in a in a foot pursuit. Right. And, and, and you know, the muscle memory of, of law enforcement officers, uh, offender A or, or alleged offender A is doing something. They 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 flee on foot. I'm chasing. Yes. Right. But mm-hmm. but foot pursuits um, inherently they are dangerous not only for the officer but for, for for others. Like you know, I was in countless foot pursuits, and and uh, in particular, one time was hit by a car in a foot pursuit right around North Avenue in Ashland, chasing a fugitive. So uh, they are dangerous. I still have uh, left knee issues from that. That was mm-hmm. I, I don't know how long ago, but anyways. Uh, so what what they're asking is couple of things for the officers and it's hard when especially when something's happening so quickly but to 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 account for what is the violation you're you're having contact for this person with this person for is it um you know you rolled up on the street these guys were uh hanging on the corner you got out to talk to him the guy takes off running so yeah, because there's a warrant on this guy that's why well, he's that's, running. So well, grab that's, him. yeah that's that could that's if, if if you know that if you do know that there's a felony warrant for someone you you go to approach them and make and make an arrest and they take off on foot the officers are still allowed uh to conduct a foot pursuit it, you have to put there's a lot of factors that weigh into what decision should should the officer should he or she make before they engage in a foot pursuit so it's not that no longer can Chicago police officers chase someone on foot. That's not true. It, it's it's weighing uh, what what happened right before or what is the nature of that. And, and to your point, John, I think you mentioned it. Do I know this guy from previous contact? And uh, so so the, the, the Alvarez shooting was those officers had contact uh, with him the day before or in the recent past were on patrol, saw him, went to engage him on a previous incident, which was not a felony, which was not a violent offense, and then a foot pursuit uh, ensued, and which ended up in, in him being shot. So I think it's trying to reduce the liability, the dangerousness of – because it, it, is, it is dangerous. Officers get separated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I – I'm out of radio contact. I don't know where my partner is. I don't know. I was in another foot pursuit where my muscle memory kicked in on the, on the south side for a violent sexual assault offender out of Kentucky. I jumped out of the car, left it running at like 71st and Stony Island in the pouring rain. And, you know, it ended up in about a five to six block foot pursuit where we caught the offender. And then I realized, Jesus, I left the car running. 
71st and Stony Island in the pouring rain. Was able to get into a, a Chicago squad car and fly back over there. Thank God the vehicle was still there. <laughs> Shotgun, uh, but in it, the back. yeah, yeah, may, there may have been, but uh, <laughs> but my but the but the instinct was right. See, yeah. bad guy, bad guy, run, chase, bad guy, right? Like it just right. kicks in. You know, there's really no thought process. So it's going to take a lot of training from the officers to you know. You're uh, listen that 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 cliche that officers run towards danger. It's not a cliche. It happens. I've done well, we, it. I've seen we saw it, happen. it happen. We saw it happen in the the young kid that was 13 years old that had the gun in Little Village, yes. shooting at shooting at uh, other cards right. with a 22 year old uh, minder with him, another gang banger. And uh, this kid runs. He has the gun. He turns. He's shot. And th- then all hell breaks loose. It becomes racial demagoguery, political right. leverage, uh, lefties right. going after it. And that's when uh, Lori starts balking at the foot pursuits. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. So, well, it wasn't just her. It's it's you know the, uh, there's a lot of people, uh, a lot of community groups that, uh, and, and that's a fine line too. Is getting yeah. how much do we get the community involved in mm-hmm. the profession of law enforcement? I've said on record before that I've never seen a profession uh, over the years so scrutinized and often scrutinized by people who have never done the job. And listen, police policing in this country and specifically in the city of Chicago does need to evolve. The, and any any officer, any law enforcement officer on a state, local, city, county level. Uh, worth their grain of salt, wants better training, wants, uh, quote unquote, police reform, but it, in a sense of uh, not taking away um, what they feel their duties and responsibilities are is to protect the public. It, look, look, you know, John, been in, uh, between being a federal law enforcement, being part of the Chicago Police Board, um, you know, doing this position as a deputy mayor for public safety, I'm at like about 30 32 years, 33 years involved in some form or fashion of, of this, um, this, this line of work. Um, you know, my family was all in law enforcement. My father, his two brothers had first cousins on the job. Um, also some firefighters. So, you know, the O'Malley's were public servants. My mother a, was a nurse, uh, got a sister who's currently a teacher. Uh, you know, my daughter's a teacher. It goes on and on. So it, it you know, it's not, it's for real people get into these these jobs because they think that they can you know make a difference and help mm-hmm. and everyone i came across and 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 i worked with uh, law enforcement officers from all around the country in federal law enforcement from every jurisdiction and you know what i, I can just tell you what i saw and that was people really trying hard uh to do the job when we see an officer like derek chauvin in in you know, Minneapolis, every cop, every law enforcement officer that I know just can't, you know, that guy set law enforcement back decades. Um, These, these officers that responded to that shooting in, in Texas, it made me sick to my stomach. I I couldn't even finish watching the the ones who did not respond. That's right. That's right. That, 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 the only thing I can chalk that up to, is an immediate lack of unified command when you have all these different agencies showing up and and no one made a decision to do what needed to be done there. And what needed to be done there was 
come hell or oh, high water, charge, right. you get in that room and you and you stop that threat. Yeah. Whether or not he's firing rounds down that hallway or not, someone's got to go. They're they're Monday morning quarterbacking a little bit. There there was other and, and these office. I bet you I heard some four hundred officers showed up on the scene. I can tell you right now that three hundred ninety eight of those officers, if not all four hundred, went through some type of active intruder, uh, active shooter training, and they, and they failed to follow their training. It's plain and simple. I, I, I'm so upset about that case that I think. If there was a some type of boss out there, whether it be that chief of the Uvalde School District police, right. the local police, fire I think him. there's some potential criminal. Well, not only fire, but I think there's some criminal negligence there. Now, that's We're, obviously for uh, prosecutors to, to take that on and look at that. But that and that the, I don't know, the, an officer in the country that doesn't think that those guys should have immediately uh, taken on that that offender and, and, and I, taken him out. Not seventy seven minutes later. John, in the few minutes we have left, I have to ask you, you're going to go back. You're going back in the private sector. So we might lose contact, at least public contact with you. And, <laughs> and we respect that. But uh, you mentioned people using their phones. And I, I wonder if you could give our listeners like a primer, like how to survive <laughs> on the on rapid transit. You know, like uh, how do you survive? How do you what do you do yeah. besides not take it? Well, listen, and, and, and people that are looking to rob you, to grab your phone, to do whatever, they, they look at people who are, who are not paying attention that look like uh, they, they don't want a confrontation. That, that's for sure. Soft target. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So simply, and, and you know, listen, I, I, where I was in the private sector before, I taught situational awareness, you know, yes. personal security. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll be doing it again. I came up with an acronym called ACT. ACT, assess the situation as quickly as possible. Try to control your, your breathing and emotions. Like take that deep breath and then T, take action. So you see something happen, you got to assess that really quickly. You know, is that really smoke coming out of my kitchen, right? Assess that. Yeah. Take a deep breath and then take action. Get everyone <laughs> out of the house, grab the fire extinguisher, right. do whatever right. you got to do. So when you're on the train or you're downtown, you're have, you know, pay attention to what's going on. I know there's a, there's a fine line between being paranoid and being situationally aware, right? We call it condition white, condition yellow, condition red. Um, you know, just being in a mindset, head on a swivel, all those, all those uh, you know, uh, you hear people talking about. But it's true. I am constantly, my wife is often amazed. Like, how did you see that? It's like, because <laughs> I, I pay attention. Like, yeah. you see something. Yeah. Uh, 25 yards away, 50 yards. So when you're on the L, look, unless it's an emergency, stay off the phone. Right. Like, seriously, it's so like, you know, if, if you're going to listen to music or something, but you're, but you're, but your eyes are paying attention. You can't afford uh, to listen that goes to a music. long way. Yeah. And, yeah. Just, I mean, how, how long is the train ride? Like, I don't know. I take the blue line. It's, you know, 20 minutes from one destination to the next. So for 20 minutes, you can't stay off the phone looking at Instagram or TikTok videos. Or whatever, just pay paying attention goes a long way to prevent you from being a victim. A hundred percent. I know that there's yeah. one there's one issue here that worries all law enforcement and all people of goodwill. Uh, we saw what happened uh, in Indianapolis at that uh, the, mass the shooting mall, where the yeah. where the where a young man 
took initiative and uh you know from 40 yards i still doubt i, I doubt the distance I, I i really have to measure it myself 40 yards uh accuracy with a fire with a, with hand, a hand gun with a handgun hand yeah but but i do want to say i see what i see for all this that we've been talking about today all this uh pressure that's building in the city uh on politics on government on police on the people who don't want to be victims and who see the news all the time, constantly. I'm, I'm concerned about a Bernard Getz situation. I'm mm-hmm. concerned that mm-hmm. people see violence as uh, they see no recourse but vigilantism. Yeah. That's what worries me. Well, you, Bernard Getz, well? you're going you have to explain to a lot of people <laughs> that, that, that was yeah. the guy in New York. That was in the 70s, John, yep. in New York, I think. Uh, Scare, you know, listen. Scared little white guy. Yep. Gets a, gets a confronted by tough guys on the train, pulls out his piece and begins pulling the trigger. Right. So I get, I asked all the time from neighbors, friends, mm-hmm. Hey, sh- should I own a handgun? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, either for home protection or, uh, you know, state of Illinois concealed carry uh, program. Right. And my answer is always this H- having a handgun is, uh, or any type of weapon in your house, uh, is a really serious step. You have to have in your mindset that, that one day you're going to use it. And that there is no, this, this, this nonsense of, well, I can shoot someone in the kneecap to wound <laughs> right. right. And let me just, and, and that same goes for law enforcement. I hear that all the time. Oh, well, they could have just shot him in the yeah. arm or something. When, yeah. when, when a bullet leaves a gun, whether it's a handgun or a rifle, that is deadly force. All right. I, I could shoot someone in the kneecap. First of all, for an officer or a civilian to aim at someone and shoot them in the kneecap, often a moving target is impossible. Right. So what, why people get shot in the arm or the leg or the ear is because they're normally moving. And that's just where, uh, you know, the bullet ends up. Well, you're not going to shoot the ground. You're ricochet. Something. It's, it's, I mean. Yeah, it's a very serious thing. So if you're not willing to take that step, then. You know, my advice is at home is to have a safe room. If something's happening, get everyone in that room, lock it from the inside and wait for 911 responders to get there. Same thing on the street. If you if you are if you're if you're going to go through the concealed carry program and you're going to go through the training, I don't even know what it is. I think it's like 18 hours or 20 hours of, of firearms training. You better go to the range, I would say, a minimum four times a year so that your muscle memory, uh, it, because the stress of you pulling out a handgun in a situation where you feel your life is threatened is through the roof, especially for someone who's not trained to do so. And if you're fumbling around, you don't know how to draw that weapon out of whatever concealed right. type of holster you carry, then you're better off not have, not having it. So how about you're three times train, a week, how about three times a week well, or don't have look, I mean, I should speak for, you know, look, I, 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 I don't go to the range as often as, as I should. I have to qualify once a year now as a, uh, you know, law enforcement. There was a federal bill passed, H.R. 217, if I'm not mistaken, that was passed years ago uh, for uh, law enforcement, retired law enforcement to uh, legally carry uh, a weapon. So in Illinois, it's called IROC, Illinois Retired Officers Concealed Carry Program. It's a little bit different than the civilian uh, concealed carry program. Uh, but and I should practice more. I should practice what I preach and practice more. But I also have, you know, 30 years of it, that muscle memory is there. I often do in a safe 
environment, uh, practice drawing uh, my weapon from uh, where I carry it because I don't want that to be uh, a surprise if, God forbid, I ever have to do that now. So um, it, it's you got to train because you're always going to fall back on the highest level of training you have. If you get your concealed carry permit and don't go shooting, and then, God forbid, you, you get to a situation on the streets of Chicago or elsewhere that you have to use it, you know, and if you're not trained, it's, it's not going to go well. So that kid, this guy, and, and I haven't seen any of the videos. I don't know any of the circumstances, but right. what, what I immediately thought about that in, in the yeah, suburbs of Indianapolis, what I immediately thought was this guy's well-trained, that he took the initiative quickly. I'm assuming he got behind some cover of concealment, uh, which is another thing. I'm always mm-hmm. constantly looking at if something happens, where's my, right. where's an area of cover, at least concealment. Cover is potent- a brick wall, engine block, something that can potentially stop a, we- a, 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 a bullet round from hitting you. Concealment is, you know, just hiding behind something where they can't see you, but could, you know, like a, I, I don't know, uh, you know, uh, but, uh, something that you just can't be seen. That's just concealment. Sure. Cover is actually like something solid. So, you know, always constantly looking at where would I go for covering concealment if something happens. So getting that mindset. Uh, otherwise, I, I recommend don't don't have it. If you have a home a weapon in your house and you're not willing to shoot someone who walks through that door looking to do you or your family harm and, and you're not prepared to take that step, because once you do, you can't take that back. Yes. All right. You can't, you can't recall, you can't recall those bullets. So are you prepared to kill somebody? That's what you have to figure out. That's what I tell people. If you are, then okay, then let's talk about that. Think long and hard about that. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Hey, John, before we, we, we just get you out here. I know you're a busy man. You've been giving us some time here. Um, I'm going to, you knew Rahm Emanuel. I mean, you worked, I don't know if you, how you, how closely you ever worked with him or what you, your aspects of him, but you know, there's this been this mentality that people are too hard on Lori Lightfoot for maybe her you know, language, her style, what she does. And then they say, well, you know, people didn't rip on Ram like that. I, I assume you, you knew both of them or at least have worked with them one way or another. It, is that fair? Is, are people just yeah. holding her to a, a higher threshold? You know, I think that's a great point, Jeff. What I've often said and what, I, what I've seen in my 14 months uh, – at the city. I, I, I do agree with that. As a matter of fact, I had a conversation. I don't want to mention with who, uh, but numerous people saying that, you know what? Uh, well, I, I guess I can just sort of say it. It's, um, an alderman in particular, they, they wouldn't have the stones uh, to confront her the way they did a manual and certainly not uh, daily one or daily two, because if they did, uh, you know, yeah. it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't go well for them after the fact. But I think, listen, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a father of four daughters. I have all sisters. Um, I, I do think that she is treated differently because she's a woman. I, I, I absolutely uh, believe that. And I think that, uh, you know, people, like I say, um, there, was a, there was a private individual who we had a meeting with. I'll just leave it at that, uh, who, who may or may not have watches stolen from his establishment. You could put that together. Uh, who Are sells high end cuts? <laughs> yeah. Well, John, I, 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 you're, I, I'd like to talk. I, I should tell you about that meeting off who, who was involved in that meeting, but there were some guys from uh, talk about the Chicago way. I can sure. tell you and Jeff that story uh, off the record one day, but uh, the mayor was there. Superintendent was there and we had a little meeting and the mayor left 
And I said that an individual, you would never have had the stones to talk to a man that way and let alone uh, the mayor. And, you know, so, and, and I've, I've seen some aldermen buck up to her, older women, older men, uh, who I don't think they would do that. I, I got to yeah, say, I, I think it's partly because she's a woman. And then, you know, does she then she, get defensive? And because, you know, wait a minute, I don't guys. Know, I don't know. I, I can't get into I respect you, Johnny. I do. And you, Jeff. <laughs> but I've, I've only, you know, I don't know about when, what time to fire and all that, you know, where to center mass and all that. But I do know this. If a, if a politician acts a certain way and says F and U and, and, and does the, uh, you know, the Bobby Rush popcorn BS and all that other stuff she's done, she has to expect that this is coming back to her, especially when she, That's true. she uh, glorifies, yeah. says, I'm triple threat. I'm black I'm, <laughs> and I'm triple threat. This is why, this is right. why I'm the mayor. Because I'm black, uh, female, lesbian. Well, guess what? I, I liked her. I liked her. I backed her. But uh, I, I saw her lose c- command control. And the city of Chicago uh, cannot afford that. And we're seeing the result. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, I, John. I don't. I don't. I, I, that stuff. I'm on record. I mean, when she's on in in things where she knows she's being recorded, or things she's documenting, and she's using language and being just outrightly offensive on things I, that that blows me away but my question was really more is it is she unique in that or everyone says you know ron was like that too but he didn't let it be captured she and was it, on the chicago way with you right when she goes up and she says we're gonna ta- i'm gonna take out lz higginbottom remember that mm-hmm. we, we talked truth on the chicago way and she and we paused it and i looked at her and i said Lori, uh, mayor you talk about taking out Elsie Higginbottom, you better do it. Remember that, Jeff? Yeah. Because if you don't do it, uh, everyone in the city will, will who counts will see who you are. So you can't talk like that. And I know there's some uh, Jacobin uh, former editors of mine upset that I, <laughs> that I, I might uh, have advised her. But I liked her. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you can't play that. You can't play without having, without being grounded. You can't walk around with a gun in, uh, in your, in the, your back without, you know, in your hip without having been trained. And you can't make uh, political assessments and talk like that without understanding that there are costs to leadership when you mm. do that. Right. That's all I'm saying. I love you yeah. both, you guys. I love you guys yeah. to death. Yeah, that's that's all. Those are all the political things that, like I say, I, I I'm not a, a political person. I try to, you know, I, I just want what's best for city of Chicago. I, I'm born and raised here. I, I have no intention to leave the city. Uh, that was one of the reasons when she asked me to come into her administration and do the job. You know, I could have stayed comfortable where I was uh, in corporate America and and uh, you know, giving her my unsolicited advice. Uh, but I made a decision to to go ahead and do it, and I did it. I'm glad I did. Uh, I believe in this city, you know, John. I, I you know, I, I'm a. I listen to your podcast all the time. I think you're also trying to do the best thing, you and Jeff, uh, for the city. So I, I just tell people, look, stop complaining and and do what. What do you do to try and make uh, the city better? If it's look, getting involved in your block club, right? Whatever, do do something instead of just you know always uh, complaining about it. Just take what positive steps can you do? So if we get more of that, you know, I met with an individual uh, this week who uh, 
is a very well-off financial person. He's an older gentleman. And, you know, he's trying, what can I do uh, to help with the violence? Is there things we can do uh, financially to make it better? He's trying to form, uh, you know, like kind of a, a working group uh, with some, some people who have a, uh, an interest in Chicago. And, you know, I gave him my advice and who to talk to at the city, who to talk to at the police department, who to talk to on uh, a state level, et cetera. And, you know, I told him I'll do everything I can uh, to try and help you. I can't do it formally now, but um, I'll do everything I can. So, so having p- more, more like that, um, you know, academics, University of Chicago, Northwestern, there's some really, really, really smart people who are trying to figure out why is this happening? And I, I wish them nothing but the best. I did everything I could in 14 months to try and uh, push the city in a positive direction. We, the police department needs, uh, they need help. You know, the consent decree, uh, I know a lot of cops uh, think it's a terrible thing, but what, what, what that's going to do is provide, uh, you know, better training is the biggest piece that that, that, that will help with, uh, with the police officers. I always say a better trained police officer is more confident in his or her skills, which then translate to uh, better for the community because better trained, better confident officers is, is, can only be a good thing for the community because they're going to act and conduct themselves in a more professional manner. And that's what we need. The, 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 the professional law enforcement needs to sort of start getting into the, to the modern age from equipment, from training, from what it means to be a, a police officer, you know, knowing when to turn on that guardian uh, piece of your mindset and when to turn on that warrior uh, mindset. There's a, there was a big thing years ago. Oh, we need to get, get rid of the warriors on the police departments and, and more guardians. Well, that's a huge mistake. You, you need to be both. And training will tell you when I'm a guardian, when, when, and, and a guardian is, helping the late, little old lady cross the street, helping the kid who's lost. And that warrior, you better have a warrior show up when there's a violent offense and act, you know, something happening where that warrior mode needs to turn on. So getting those officers to realize uh, during a shift how many times I need to go from guardian to warrior yeah. and, 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 and how to do that quickly in a moment's notice. So that, that's what we need. I, you know, I'm, I'm a huge, huge believer in training, 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 because once you hit that, that field, um, that training is going to kick in. You know, professional athletes, best players to the rookies, meet every year before the season, right? Spring training, whatever, you, whatever they call it in football and, and, and all the other sports. Yet we put a police officer through the academy, and 30 years later they're still on the job and they've never had any formal training. So we got, we got to get in, and it's expensive. Or we can just keep paying multi-million dollar lawsuits, yeah. or we can use that money to train these officers to prevent some of those incidents from occurring in the first place. Or we can find out uh, who are the lawyers who are making fortunes off the bad training <laughs> in Chicago, because yeah. I guarantee you that there, there are games within games within games. <laughs> Chicago way. That's way. Well, John, thanks so much for joining us, man. And, and I just... I, I think the city is not better off without you in the ranks of, of administration and, and helping be that calm, level-headed voice that says, hey, yeah, this may seem with the reality, but the background is much more important. So I, That's yeah. right. Well, Thank I you. appreciate that, Jeff and John. And, uh, you know, I'll always, be a, I'll always be a listener and supporter of uh, John Cass News. Uh, awesome. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a 
a subscriber. I read it. I get a kick out of your articles and uh, you always have. And I uh, appreciate the opportunity talking with you guys. And, You're always uh, welcome to write yeah. one now. I got. I don't know if I can. listen. This is not the. Here's here's the assignment. Uh, go out to the em- Emerald Society grounds at the you know the, where they have the pitch, and they and they play that game where the Irish have sticks and hit That's the right. ball. Hurling. What's that called? Hurling. Hurling. You know, yeah. I'd like eight hundred words on hurling, please, sir. Oh. Yeah, you're talking about the, the joint on the south side. I'm on the north side, John. We don't we, we go to the uh, Irish like, American Heritage Center on the on the north side. We don't go to Gaelic <laughs> Park. We don't go to Gaelic Park. Gaelic Park, Park my friend. Southside Irish. That's where we Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know where Gaelic Park is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John. Thanks for being here, man. Appreciate All right, guys, it. Take or John O'Malley, former deputy mayor of public safety for the city of Chicago, 30 years in law enforcement. Former U.S. Marshal chasing fugitives and other bad guys around the city, so he knows what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. And for Jeff Carlin, executive producer, WGN Radio, future physics teacher, a man of optimism, and my friend. And for me, John Cass, husband, father, Greek Orthodox Christian, editor-in-chief, Chief Bottle Washer at JohnCastNews.com, John O'Malley's favorite website, as you heard. (laughs) And uh, so thanks for joining us, and join us again next time, won't you, on another edition of the Chicago Way Podcast on WGN+.